everyone, welcome back to another episode of Explain It Slowly. Jinx, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that was unplanned. Okay. Today, I'm going to open it up to you. Would you like to hijack the show today? No, I don't have anything to hijack with. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, let's talk work-related things. Okay. So, if anyone, or for anyone who doesn't know, Dimitri and I are iOS developers, and I'm just starting out, so there's still a lot of things that I need to learn, or I can learn from Dimitri. Mm-hmm. So, the question today is, what makes a good app? Like, what is Oof. a good app, <laughs> in your opinion? Uh, okay, so I think a good app is one that hits all the checkboxes, right? Um, now, what are those checkboxes? What are those checkboxes? <laughs> well, it, it, it differs for everyone. And who, who made up those checkboxes? Is it Apple because we do iOS platforms or who, who makes up those checkboxes? Yeah, so you asked me, so they're my checkboxes, right? They're your checkboxes, yeah. okay. Um, so <laughs> what makes a good app? Uh, I think a good app is an app that is made as an app. No. Um, <laughs> that is made by you, therefore it's perfect. <laughs> therefore it's perfect. So I think like a good game, you need to hit all the details where... You can't leave something unfinished. It has to it has to be of a coordinated design, right? You have to have all pieces of the app feel like they're part of the same experience. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can get that done really well, that can go ahead and make sure that you have something which can be considered a good app, right? Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, you need to make sure that you don't have any bugs, I that's, would say, is a key piece. That's important. Um, You want to have good error handling, meaning if an error occurs, you don't want to be silent about it, nor do you want to blame the user. It's not their fault if an error occurs. Um, However, they're the only ones that can do anything about it. Like, you are not there at their phone, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So a good error message will go ahead and let them know what actions they can take uh, to either resolve the error or let you know about it. Right. If you just silently say, don't even say anything that nothing happened and then nothing happens, the user is just going to be frustrated at you and your app and is going to give it up. Like it, it, it seems great to say, oh, we never show error messages uh, as like a feature, mm-hmm. uh, meaning like your app never has errors, except that all apps can run into errors, especially stuff that is out of your control. Like mm-hmm. you are just a developer. You don't control the universe. Uh, so having good error handling, I think, is a hallmark of what makes a good app because it allows you to improve your app uh, when it's insufficient or for your users to take action and be able to fix their own problems, right? Um, So I think that is one of those checkboxes. Allowing the user to be flexible in how they work is another, like, hallmark of of a good app, meaning don't just offer one way to do something allow some variability and some uh, acknowledgement that everyone is different and how they will go ahead and attack a situation. Um, and I think that is also a piece that uh, that is important. I don't have like a list or anything, so I'm just going off the top <laughs> of my head. Which is fine. I mean, it, that goes with the whole point of the show, right? Everything's spontaneous. Everything is spontaneous indeed. <laughs> um, do you have any questions so far? Uh... 
I don't know. Can you give some examples? Because you said you got to be flexible when it comes to like dealing with situations or letting the user have options. Mm-hmm. Like what sort of options are you referring to? Because a certain app normally solves a specific problem. Now, are you talking about like your solutions to how to solve that problem? There are multiple solutions within an app that you provide or? Yeah. So it really does depend on the context of the app. Right. So if it's a super simple app, like don't have multiple ways of solving that simple, that super simple solution. Your app is supposed to be opinionated if it's solving one thing and solving it well, right? Yeah. It's a good thing that your app is opinionated. Those are your customers. They agree with your opinion. Right. Otherwise, they don't agree with your opinion and they can go somewhere else. Um, and that's fine because your your way of solving it, you thought was the best way to do it. And you are the most qualified person to kind of solve that, solve the problem in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a different way, you're not qualified. Like you don't you don't understand that different way. Um, so if your app is solving one single problem and solving it well, then that's what you should only have one way to do that. However, if your app is like a productivity app and you're not really solving a problem, but you're enabling uh, the user to do something like, for instance, a drawing app or a writing app or something of that sort, uh, you should be flexible in how you allow the user to pursue their creativity. Uh, for instance, um, something that gets me all the time in a writing app, for instance, is you can only have the document that you're working on open in one window. You can't have it open in two windows. Now, that might be an obvious thing. Like, why would you want the same thing open in two windows? Well, if you have a 50-page document and you're constantly referring to something on page one, but you're working on page 40, having two windows of the same document is super useful. So right. don't artificially limit the way that you can use your multiple windows uh, in that situation. That's what I mean by think flexibly in terms of how the user might use it. Um, but but I feel like that would only work if you are looking at macOS, right? If you're developing an app, like a writing app that is on a computer, then you have the chance of having multiple windows, right? But if you're on a phone, how do you make it so that you can do multiple windows? So that, that that's not necessarily something that would apply to the phone, but it definitely applies to the iPad where you can have multiple scenes. You can have them side by side. Okay. You can jump between them, uh, have different layouts, however you want it. Um, so it's, it might not immediately apply to the phone where you don't have separate windows, but you might want to have separate views. You know, maybe the top half of the screen shows you a snippet of a different page and then the working area shows you what you're working on. Now that takes a tremendous amount of effort to pull off when there's no helping hands like there would be for an iPad where Mm -hmm. you just have multiple scenes and it would be an artificial limitation or it would be a limitation with respect to like the technical limitations like oh the file can't be open in two places because you wouldn't be able to update it if it changes in the first one right there's a there's a certain amount of uh extra effort that you need to put into it to make those situations work um, and that's something that, as a developer, you need to put that effort into it. But this is all about making a good app, right? So you need to put that effort into it. You need right. to put the effort into supporting undo. Like, even if most users don't know what undo is, the ones that do, they want to rely on it. And if they can't rely on it in your app, your app is broken from their point of view. Like, how many times do you just instinctually command Z on your computer, but you feel like you can never do that in iOS because nothing supports undo properly except in like a text field mm-hmm. right imagine the delight on your users faces when they accidentally delete something and they're like command z on the ipad keyboard or they do the three finger 
uh, gesture on the iPhone and it just works. Mm -hmm. Like you just saved someone's life at that moment in time, even though they deleted something probably minor in the grand scheme of things, like they feel bad about them having done that, you know? Well, that's why you often have like alerts, right? You would yeah, you ask, would confirm. Ask you confirm mm-hmm. whether they wanted to delete it. But it, it on the phone, if you accidentally delete something, you can shake it and then it, it yeah. would undo. Well, if the if the developer supports undo, okay. So that that shake gesture is the both the silliest and the the best thing because in frustration you shake something. Yeah, like uh, no one will get that out of their head once they learn it. The three finger gesture is like maddening to that, actually that I remember. Never. Yeah, that um, one I don't remember. Like I barely remember which direction you're supposed to flick your three fingers in yeah, to get the thing. Yeah, do you pull it in or do you spread it out? Or do you double tap it? I don't know. I notice that if you put three fingers on the screen and wait long enough, it gives up and says, "Here, Dumbo. Here's <laughs> the here's the list of uh, options that you can go ahead and use." All right. right? Yeah. Um, but supporting those those built in system functionalities really does make a good app, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, as an extension to that, on the Mac, for instance, if you don't support basic menu commands, undo, select all, new window, close window, like, if you mess with any of that, you're breaking tons of people's muscle memory, and they're just going to feel like your app is non-native, like, you are not a Mac user if you didn't get those basics right. You but know? what if your app doesn't necessarily use those features? Like if you're not if you're not making an app that deals with writing and stuff, you wouldn't necessarily be able to undo, right? Like if you are an app that only allows you to view content, there's no such thing as undo because you didn't. Well, maybe if you're changing anything. how you're viewing the content, like say something simple uh, with regard to organizing that content that you're viewing. Right. If you move that document to, to a different section or whatever you're working with, try to think in how like an accident might happen. And anytime an accident might happen, that's an opportunity to provide undo. Um, I was going to on the Mac, you have a help menu. And I would say 90 percent of small apps don't have anything in their help menu. And like sometimes you just want to read up on how an app works to get the extra functionality and understand how it works like if you can have a document that outlines everything then a user will know where to look the next time they need to go ahead and do something right Mm -hmm. having that in the help menu that's just built in that would be great you know uh follow platform conventions for instance in uh most of these menus you'll see the dot 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 character that means that you performing that action is going to have no ill effects because it's going to ask you first it's always going to show a dialogue when you go ahead and click an action with a dot 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 you're staring at me questionably i don't remember seeing that dot 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 so you'll see for instance save as has dot 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 because it asks you what do you want to oh, save your document oh, as? as in like delete what's the next has a dot 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 because there's a dialogue that's going to come up saying are you sure you want to delete got it undo okay. does not have a dot 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 because it undoes immediately right okay, so okay. follow those those existing paradigms that are like all over the platform and unfortunately they are not listed out anymore like you have to come in with extensive knowledge about the platform that you're developing for to really know all these things nowadays but it's important because a subset of your users are going to rely on it a different subset are going to rely on a different set of conventions that you may or may not know of a different subset will rely on yet another set of conventions so 
as a developer, it's really on you to know about all these things and to account for all of them as you're developing your apps. Mm -hmm. um, one of these subsets is uh, users of voiceover, for instance, accessibility features. Most apps, they will never have thought of accessibility if Apple wasn't so adamant about supporting it in your own apps. Like They wouldn't think twice about supporting accessibility properly, and they wouldn't know anything about it. Um, so it's a good thing that Apple is... Uh, doesn't stop talking about like adding accessibility to your apps because that makes it easy to know where to look when you want to actually do it. Um, but that's a whole set of users that are going to use a computer very differently than how you're accustomed to doing it. So you really need to know how they're going to be using their app, your app, so that way you can design it well for them. Like ultimately, you're the creator of whatever piece of software you're doing. You make the ultimate decisions. Maybe you want to do something differently than how the system does it because you have a good reason to. But that reason should be motivated by the existing paradigms don't fit for what I'm doing. Not the other way around of I just want to be creative for the sake of being creative. Like, sure, you might end up somewhere good, but that's out of coincidence rather than uh, out of careful planning, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. That's it. That, that's all the checkboxes? That's all the checkboxes I can think of on <laughs> a moment's notice. What about when it comes to design? Is solving a, a, a problem more important or is design more important? Meaning it can be the simplest like app, the simplest solution to an app. Like there's tons of like to-do list apps out there or like calendar apps out there that is done over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So if you're not reinventing the the wheel the wheel to like a problem or solving a certain new problem because everything's been done, how do you make an app that stand out from others? Why would I choose your calendar app versus someone else's calendar app? Or is that no longer like, don't go that route because there's too many out there. Like it's not even worth it. Again, I would say unless you have a workflow that is not being used by other apps or the other apps that do use that workflow are very poorly like put together, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not an avenue that I personally would pursue. Now, if you're doing it for other reasons, like it's not a business endeavor, but it's one of uh, study, like as an art student, for instance, you are constantly studying other people's arts. You are mimicking their style, learning about what process they went through to make whatever art they were doing. So that way you can level up your own abilities, right? So as a developer, you do you do, do that to a certain extent and uh, both the bigger forms and smaller ones. I see students a lot, they would rebuild an entire app. Um, more experienced developers, they don't have time necessarily to rebuild an app that they know won't sell. Like they need to pay bills at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, but they might experiment on smaller bits and pieces of apps. Maybe they reinvent a button because they, uh, want to learn about how Apple is handling the button interface internally and what kind of trade-offs they need to make for that. For instance, if you reinvent a button, you need to handle a lot of functionality, like straight off the, straight out of the box. For instance, if you're on the Mac and you tab to a button, you need to be able to press it with the spacebar. That's just something that all buttons will go ahead and work with. If you don't support this functionality, your button will appear very, very broken. You need to support accessibility on your button. So let VoiceOver see your button, acknowledge it as a button, and be able to take action 
based on the user's uh, input that's not local to your button. It's local to the entire screen. For instance, double tapping the screen should select your button no matter where they're double tapping if voiceover is on. Mm-hmm. If you click a button, but then just say, eh, I don't actually want to click this button, you drag away, you can release your mouse and that's not going to invoke the button. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping track of the button, if you click the button and then t- command tab to a different window, you don't want your button to still be tracking your mouse. Like, I don't know if you remember old software, they used to do this all the time. Like a simple little glitch in the system, maybe an alert popped up, and now that button is always tracking your mouse. Like as you move your mouse around, the button thinks, oh, it's being, it's active, and the mouse is just moments away from being released to, to invoke me. So even something as simple as a button requires a lot of thinking to get just right uh, if you want to compare it to a very modern like implementation of what a button should be because there's a lot that has gone in to build up to it up until now. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So an experienced developer might want to study a button just like an art student might want to study a, a piece and they might want to recreate it and try to implement all these different functionalities um, and by doing that, congratulations, you have now reinvented the wheel kind of thing. Uh, but you learned in that process. So now if you need to make something that looks and behaves like a button, but is not a button, but you want it to behave like one, then you know all the thinking that needs to go into it to get it just right. Mm-hmm. Um, another great example is a pop-up button where when you click on it, you get a little menu. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the text of the menu aligns perfectly with the text that's in the button. So it's a visual illusion to make it seem like nothing is moving there. There's object permanency uh, with regard to like how things are displayed. And that's important when you're building up a user interface. If you don't have that, it's going to feel ever so slightly broken or wonky. Um, and that like decrements your points in terms of getting things right um, when you're building an app. So it's only once your app feels flawless, then it... Is it ever considered to be a great app? Does that make sense? But is there ever a time that you feel like an app is complete? No matter, like. Well, it depends. So, from a developer's point of view, you might hit all the features that you wanted to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had a very specific goal in mind, then yes, you might reach completion. Doesn't mean your app will always work. Like that's a completely separate uh, endeavor. Uh, but in terms of functionality, you might hit like everything you need to do. Like, for instance, if you wanted to make an app that adds two numbers in a very cool and animated way, that might be it. You know, like, you don't want to add the ability to subtract two numbers. Like, your app is called add for all intents and purposes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a super silly example, but you might have functionality that would be considered complete from your point of view. From a user's point of view, yeah, it might not be complete. Like, they might wish, I want to be able to put exponents And you're like way out of the context of what my app that adds two numbers is supposed to do. Um, But like everyone will always have a different set of checkboxes for what they consider to be like complete or not. Um, So yeah, it's very different for everyone. So in the end, you're the creator. So as the creator of an app, you get to decide what you want to include or what you don't want to include. Uh, However, there's always like a boss, whether that's your boss at work or whether that's all your customers who are effectively your boss or the ones giving you money. Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to have opinions as well. And it's up to you from a business perspective uh, to listen to them or to acknowledge 
the problem that they're having, like if they want to do exponents, it's not because they want an exponent button, it's because they need to solve a problem with exponents. So maybe you make a separate app that handles expon just exponents. I don't know. But it's up to you as a developer to kind of take in an understanding of the problem they're having and use your own expertise to solve that problem in a way that would work maybe not for them maybe the, like the way they wanted to solve it is just a silly way of solving it but they are having a legitimate problem and that might help many other users if you solve it in a slightly different way that makes more sense or is more approachable um if that makes any sense mm -hmm. now i know apple has like this documentary what what is it called documentation documentation where the humans guide to the whatever what is it called <laughs> the human interface guidelines yeah so uh, so do, do you often for an app to be good does it often need to align with what apple wants or is it just based on what the customer wants okay so so let's go ahead and uh dissect the term human interface guidelines yeah what does that mean uh, we've heard of APIs before, right? Application Programming Interface. That interface thing is used both for programmers and for people using computers. An interface is the way that you uh, interact with something, right? Um, now you can have an application programming interface, meaning an interface for programmers to program their applications to use. Uh, this is something you see on web sites, for instance. You have an API on the web and you interact with it. Uh, you might have an API on a framework that you're using so that way you can go ahead and use that framework. Now humans are not programmers. Humans are meat blobs like us uh, and, <laughs> <Meat> blobs. <laughs> and we are a lot less uh, patient uh, than programmers for the most part. Like we just want to get whatever we want done and we want things to work. Um, so a human interface is one that will go ahead and allow regular meat blobs like us to go ahead and use a piece of software. Uh, now, for humans to be able to use a piece of software, it needs to be something that they are familiar with, right? It can't just be a random a random way of interacting with something. Like, to, to perform an action, you can't expect the user to know that they need to uh, press all the keys from A to L in one go. Like, that is not going to fly with anyone. No one's going to understand that. It might work for a game, in which case you have a game interface, that is very specific to the puzzles that you're working with, but it's not going to work for a regular app. So in order to meet those goals of having something that works for everyone, it's a good idea to follow the same rules in every app. All buttons should behave the same. If you have a button that behaves differently, it's not going to be a good button because everyone's going to expect the buttons to behave in other ways. Um, Apple's human interface guidelines is a bunch of uh, recommendations for how to go ahead and build an app. Um, and unfortunately, as of like today, when we record August 31st, 2021, uh, these guidelines are not well written. Um, it's, they're very general in that they kind of say, oh, use buttons, but they don't explain how to rebuild a button from scratch. Do you remember how I was saying like, there's a lot of lost knowledge, like you're not going to have anywhere to really look to see where all the what all the functionality of a good button should be, um, like that's not going to be there uh, anymore. But Apple used to have like actual study groups and do actual research to figure out how a button should work. Like for instance, the first computers didn't have buttons; they had buttons on a keyboard, but they didn't have buttons on the screen. 
So they had to actually think about, okay, what would a good button do? In a, in a dialog box, what button should we have? Should we have yes and no? Should we have okay and cancel? Should we have do it? Um, like there, there are a bunch of these tests that they went and did. Uh, the spa- what should the spacing be between the buttons, between the button in the window, between the buttons in the text fields? All of this like is knowledge that we have accumulated as programmers, especially those of us way before me that have kind of lived through those very early parts of user interface history. Um, but it's a bit unfortunate that it's not available to everyone nowadays. Like you just have to go ahead and use a button and be happy with it. Um, and if you want a color button, you have to make that from scratch and learn all the woes of people complaining about your buttons for years because you never get everything that everyone kind of associates with a button, right? It's a simple example, but it's something that does take a significant amount of effort to get right. So, so do you follow that guideline or do you yeah. make your own? <laughs> yeah, so uh, although they're super general, you should absolutely follow the human interface guidelines. Again, unless you have a great reason to motivate not following them. Mm-hmm. Like if your app needs to work differently for the sake of working differently, like you can't do anything about that. But you should acknowledge that no one's going to know how it works until you explain it. So you're going to have to find a way of explaining it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever come across an app where you thought, wow, this is the best app I've ever seen? Or or, or are most of the apps that you see are just, eh, okay. Like, it, it gets the job done, but it's not considered the best. Like, so maybe so far you have not seen a perfect app? No, there are plenty of <laughs> uh, candidates that I would definitely put up there as far as being, like, a very well-designed app. Um, I, unfortunately, on the spot, cannot tell you <laughs> any of them. Uh, so it, it's it's definitely difficult. <clears throat> Nafa. Nafa, yeah. Nafa is an excellent example of an app. You cannot open more than one window. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Custom buttons and Custom everything. Custom buttons everywhere. Um, <laughs> no, so, uh, yeah, the, I would say there are plenty of good platform citizens, um, as I would like to call them, because it depends. A good app on one platform may not be a good app on another. Mm-hmm. For example, Messages, excellent app on iOS, fits right in. Uh, not so excellent app on the Mac. It's a little wonky at times. The keyboard navigation is a little off. Uh, sometimes it likes to eat up your CPU cycles for no reason and cause your fans to spin if your computer still has a fan. Um, otherwise, it just makes it hot. Uh, so those are a set of trade-offs that they decided to make. But they should acknowledge that those trade-offs exist and aim to kind of fix them. So in the case of messages on the Mac, for instance, that is using a technology called Mac Catalyst, which uh, is great because it allows you to take your existing iOS app, make minimal changes, and you have a Mac app. However, you have to reinvent a lot of the things that Mac apps take for granted. um, And that is a bit more difficult. Now, before it became a Catalyst app, mm-hmm. was it was the experience good? It was okay, but it deteriorated as the iOS version improved. So as the iOS version got better and better, the Mac version kind of just sat there, uh, and therefore its experience got worse because the expectations of what the app should do like, were going lower and lower. So uh, I would say that it started off as, if you don't know, it was called iChat, iChat AV for audio video. Um, 
before the times of FaceTime. Uh, this was an AIM AIM client, so America Online Instant Messenger, uh, and you can go ahead and chat with other people uh, who also had an AIM account. Um, and iChat was great um, for the time. It did do everything. It was opinionated. There were other apps that did more, like Adium, for instance. Uh, but iChat did what it did well, and it was uh, well designed. It it made um, everyone now thinks of like chat bubbles as looking like rounded rectangles with a little a uh, little chat bubble that mm-hmm. came from iChat. Like before then, it was not looking like that. Um, it was a lot more boring. So. Like, it started off with good roots, and it slowly got worse over time until it just got replaced by the iOS version, um, which, again, was is great on iOS, but on the Mac, it has some shortcomings. Those shortcomings are thankfully getting smaller and smaller with every year, but you have to wait a year for Apple to come out with a new version, right? What kind of shortcomings? Is it because it's not behaving like an actual Mac window, like a window, or is it, like... I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, so <laughs> so again, it's going to be some very subtle behaviors that are going to be different. Um, keyboard navigation, uh, like tabbing or using your arrow keys between things, is going to be a little different on uh, the Messages app. Uh, it's not going to be as smooth resizing the window as a lot of Mac apps, for instance. Okay. So it's those very small little details that are going to be ever so slightly off. Anymore, I can't pull out of <laughs> on my okay. head. Because I'm like, I don't have any problem with mm-hmm. it. So. Yeah, if this were a, a prepared dissertation, I could have a never ending list. I'm well, sure. we can't do that, can we? No. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing your. your Incomplete your list boxes. of checkboxes. <laughs> of what a good app is. Check out NotFo, by the way, everybody. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a, a pretty decent app. Pretty decent app made by someone who does not have thirty years, years of, of experience, experience building do you. apps. Neither do I. Um, so I I am not even thirty years old as I have, we record this. So I have three years of experience. Exactly. So for someone with three years of experience, it's a pretty darn cool app, and you get to learn about Vietnamese food. Yay. Yay. Which tastes delicious. I didn't know, like, Vietnamese food was a thing before I met Lynn. And, like, I knew pho existed. And I'm like, mmm, pho. Great. I, I'm excited you, you about that. You don't like pho. No, I, I don't. I, I'm not crazy about noodle soups. Me neither. I was not a fan <laughs> of pho, even though I'm Vietnamese. Everyone loves pho, but I was not. So then it. Lynn takes me to a Vietnamese restaurant. Like, I don't even know if we were dating yet. Uh, and she, and I, like, I'm not crazy about pho. Is there anything else I can eat? And she's like, yeah, try this uh, broken rice thing. And I'm like, mmm, broken rice. Mmm, fish sauce. I, I never get pho at a pho place because I grew up eating pho so much <laughs> that, like, as an adult, I, like, stay away from pho. But anyway, check out the app. It runs on the iPhone, the iPad, and on the Mac. So then you can you can compare the experiences and let us know. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us. You guys are awesome. Uh, Yeah. Bye. Bye.